Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uriah here, and we have another guest, another fan-sighted associate. He's not a site expert, but he is a contributor for Air Alamo, and he has written about Ben Simmons' trades in the past. I would like to welcome Damian Bartonic. Welcome to the show, Damian. Glad to have you on. Hey, thank y'all for having me, and uh, I'm just glad to be here, guys. It's uh, I'm very honored to be here. Well, we're we're really excited to have you, Damian. And as Lucas said, you you have written about Ben in connection to the Spurs before. That's where we're going to start off this pod. Uh, last week we had Stevie Cousins of Rip City Project on to talk Blazers trades. This week we're talking Spurs trades. So let's just start off, Damian. What's the overall feel out in San Antonio when it comes to Ben Simmons? What what's the vibe there? Do they want him? Are they hesitant? What, what's the mood? As far as inside the organization, it's really tough just because obviously like they're just they, they play everything really, really close. So you never really hear much about it. But I think it's interesting how we've seen that, hey, the Spurs are interested. You've heard and you've seen rumors floating, whether it's on Twitter or whatever it may be. Uh, so I think that's interesting. Right. But in terms of like like a fan perspective, I don't think anyone in San Antonio Spurs land wants him. <laughs> and it's so interesting because. On paper, you're like perennial all-star, you know, all-defensive player. Like, why wouldn't you want him? But obviously, we know Ben's flaws, and so we know, you know, what his actual worth is compared to the compensation he had to give up is a little tough. Uh, but in, you know, in in totality here, Ben in San Antonio, there, there's not really a solid feel here. You can't really get a good vibe on, on kind of whether the fans want him here, whether the organization does. Because although we've heard rumors, it seems like you would need – that San Antonio would need to get Ben Simmons on the cheap – uh, in order to even pursue that. And I don't think Philly's going to want to give Ben Simmons for pennies on the dollar. So it's really, really tough. No, that's 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 more than fair. Um, I can't really speak to the San Antonio fan base itself, but the fit mm-hmm. obviously makes a lot of sense. Like you said, they need a perennial all-star player. They haven't had it since Kawhi Leonard. So that just makes sense in that regard. Um, but it's interesting to have your insight on it as a, you know, somebody that covers the Spurs for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's super interesting because we have, we'll talk a little bit more about pop here in a second, but we've heard pop praise Ben pretty vociferously in the past. I think we know he specifically is a fan. And like, if you're in a smaller market like San Antonio, you're not generally getting a bunch of all-stars in free agency. Ben is under contract for four years and he's one of the best defenders on the planet. Like to have that guy in your organization is normally not a bad thing. Um, And they normally don't come potentially as cheap as Ben is probably going to get with how the situation is playing out. So I I do think that's an interesting dynamic there, but on the flip side of the coin there, of course, you know, it seems like the Spurs are kind of ready for a rebuild. It's, It's kind of been building towards that for a couple of years now. 
I don't know if Greg Popovich is. You can probably speak to that more, Damian. But yeah. it, it does seem with DeRozan out the door now, I don't know how big a lift Ben over DeRozan gives you. I think Ben's probably the better player at this point, but they're, they're pretty close. I, I don't know if Ben really moves you past like the seventh or eighth seed in the West, and maybe it's better to just let the bottom fall out at that point. Um, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I agree on that 100%. Uh, I don't think... I don't think Ben alone gets you, you know, anything more than that seventh, eighth seed range. Uh, also take into consideration what you're going to have to give up to get him. Uh, like I mentioned, unless it's pennies on the dollar, if you're giving up guys like who I'm sure we're talking about later, whether it's Kelton Johnson and Vassell or, you know, DeJounte and, and Jakob or, or something wild, right? Obviously, you know, Jakob probably wouldn't be in the package, but, you know, along those lines and you're giving up a couple of picks, it's really hard to imagine this team being significantly better by adding one piece, which, while I do enjoy his game, who is such a minus in the half court, uh, you know, for long stretches of a game. So I really don't think that San Antonio is is substantially better, significantly better with the addition of Ben Simmons alone. Now, if they add a couple of pieces to that, then, oh, yeah, you can definitely see it. Uh, but, yeah, man, it, it's just really hard to see it because, like, it's, like we mentioned before, they're not going to give them up pennies on the dollar. San Antonio probably wants to get, you know, the best possible deal. They've been in a, in a scenario where they give up a superstar and they get, you know, not the compensation they were hoping for. So uh, I also agree with you that Ben is the better player than DeRozan right now. But my whole deal is him alone doesn't make uh, all the world of difference. So that's kind of where I land on it. Well, Damian, let me interject there. I yeah. think that for Kawhi Leonard, I think they probably got one of the best deals that you could think of in terms of, Yes, all, Kawhi Leonard is a superstar. You're not going to get a superstar back, but you got a perennial all-star player level player in DeMar DeRozan, and he didn't drop off in San Antonio. Yeah. In fact, in some ways, he got better, Yeah, especially as a playmaker. So, yeah. I mean, and Jakob Pertl ended up being a starter for you guys, especially once um, LaMarcus left. And um, yeah. so, I, I, I mean, you guys got a pretty fair deal on that one, I, I, I would say, for sure. But um, – yeah, I, in terms I, of of I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll answer that real quick. What I meant by that wasn't necessarily like the package was bad, but in, in you know from a broad perspective, when you think about trading Kawhi Leonard, a player of his caliber, right, you would expect mm. more than that. So no, I agree. All things considered, they got an excellent package. But what I mean is they dealt with the with the depreciating asset, like kind of what Ben has been now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when the Kawhi trade happened, you knew like, hey, there was a lot of a lot of red tape, a lot of stuff that people didn't know. A lot of rumors about how, you know, I don't want to bring it up again, but how he was hiding from the organization and, you know, this, that, and the third, and he was hurt, and you didn't know if he was healthy. So Philly's in the same spot with an asset like that, not to that extent. So that's why I mean, like, they didn't get everything that they wanted, quote-unquote, but they still got a good package. So I agree. I'm just saying that they probably thought initially or, you know, initially if they did move him, they might have got a little bit more. But, I mean, all things considered, no, I agree. They did get a good package. It's, it's just that they didn't get as much as you would hope for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But let, let's talk about what the Spurs would have to give up for Ben. Yeah. We have seen, like, reports and rumors from guys. I believe it was Zach Lowe at ESPN who said the Spurs were interested. They were keeping an eye on Ben at least. So the, the team and player have been connected. What do you think the Spurs would be willing to give up? to acquire someone like Ben? I think for Ben Simmons, San Antonio would be or should be willing to give up uh, one of Derek or DeJounte, uh, and then they have to split one of these one of these three players, um, maybe two of them, two of these three, 
uh, or one of these three in, in Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, and Devin Vassell, uh, in addition to about a couple firsts and uh, maybe throwing a couple of seconds. But that's probably the max I think San Antonio would be willing to give up. Uh, I don't think giving up, you know, I don't, I, I personally, for me, I don't believe that they'd be willing to give up Vassell, Keldon, and DeJounte. I think if you're getting a guy like Keldon Johnson and, and DeJounte Murray, you might not get the pick conversation you're hoping for. Just because in San Antonio's eyes, I know in the locker room and just kind of people who embrace their culture, those two guys really embody what you want uh, when it comes to the San Antonio Spurs. So I think these guys, you know, to the, you know, to the national media, so the, in the broad sense, they're just, you know, they're just another players, you know, they're young talent. But in the San Antonio Spurs eyes, they're much more than that to the city. They're much more than that. And I think the Spurs look at look into that as, uh, as well. So uh, I think kind of the max they'd be willing to give up is two of, you know, DeJounte, Derek, Lonnie, Keldon and Vassell, along with a couple of first round picks and uh, maybe a couple of seconds as well. Hey guys, as summer is almost over, the weather is getting cooler, but you still have to handle your trimming needs. Let me remind you that Manscaped can easily handle this for you. Grooming gets easier and safer with the Lawn Mower 4.0 and Weed Whacker. The Lawn Mower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and is even waterproof. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides skin safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags and tugs. Trim upstairs or downstairs using Manscaped products today. And get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. And now, back to the podcast. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. And I told you this off the air. Yeah. That my preferred package would be DeJounte and then Keldon. Those mm-hmm. two make the most sense to me because if you're getting Ben Simmons, you don't want DeJounte because you want shooting around him. And, you know, Derek White's a better shooter. And Joel Embiid can deal with a, a slightly below average shooter in Murray. And then Keldon Johnson, I think, does have two-way potential of possibly developing into like a 20-point-per-game score. Uh, you know, 18 to 20 points per game. Like maybe uh, – I don't want to compare him to Luol Deng because they're not the same like type of player, but like that mold of two-way player, you know what I mean? So I, I like, I, I would say those two and whatever salary filler you would have to put in, maybe Thad Young, who we'll talk about later. And, um, you know, I would say maybe two first and a pick swap along with those two. I think that that gets you uh, in a good place. I'm not saying that's the final result, but that that's where I would start out at. Yeah. If I, I was think... the Sixers asking for it. I think the addition of Thad really makes this this trade a little bit interesting because I, I completely forgot about Thad Young, to be honest. Um, that's a guy who I've been talking about for a minute since the Spurs got him. Like, hey, man, maybe if they did trade for Ben, they could throw him in there. You know, I've had private conversations with some of my people, and I'm just like, man, maybe Thad could be like that extra piece that kind of puts it over the top, um, not because he's a superstar talent or an all-star caliber talent, but he's a, he's a definitely a contributor to a playoff team. Uh, he can play some small ball five for you and kind of do everything for you off the bench, so – I agree with you 100% with, with Thad Young, especially. He could, it's crazy to think, right? In 2021, Thad Young could be the piece that kind of helps push, makes it, make this deal happen. But I think, you know, if a Spurs and Philly trade went down, 
uh, Thad would definitely be a part of it. Well, you know, Thad originally started his career with the Sixers, too. Okay, okay, okay. So there's that as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to find a bigger Thad Young fan than me. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was pretty freaking awesome last season in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Both didn't make his you know full use of his talents but he, he had a really good year last year um i me and lucas have kind of gone back and forth on the pod in the past about Dejounte versus white i'm i'm kind of a, a Derek white guy myself um but it sounds to me damien like like y'all are pretty firmly on, on Dejounte over Derek. is that the the feeling in san antonio uh no Derek's the better player as of right now uh, huh. I, I, and there i and I, I personally don't feel like it's close uh, I like Dejounte a lot. Uh, I, I enjoy I enjoy his game, but you know, call a spade a spade here. Uh, as a shooter, he's I think he's has a long way to go, especially shooting thirty one percent. That's you know, that's from 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 a guard, especially you're, you're not you don't want that. Uh, Derek White is a much better pick and roll ball handler. That's not close. Dejounte last year I believe placed in like the forty ninth percentile as a pick and roll ball handler, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Derek, his last year healthy, placed in in the upper 80s in percentile. So I think Derek White, as as an offensive player, is much better than Dejounte. Uh, as a defender, it's very close. Derek White's a very good defender. So I mean, not not to say Dejounte's you know far from him or anything like that, but I think as of right now, Derek's the better player. I yeah, did Derek. not. I mean, is it is it is it his mechanic? I haven't really watched a lot of Murray tape, so is it his mechanics oh. that are off, or is it just that he doesn't have the touch? Well, you got to remember, he came into the league as as a as a player who had very very little semblance of a jump shot. I mean, he's okay. been working on his jumper like crazy, especially with Chimp England, who we will mention him as well later in the show. I'm sure. Uh, you know, he's been working on his jumper like crazy, and so that's what I'm saying. Is yes, it can improve. But as of right now, on three attempts per game, you're shooting 31% from three-point line. That's not very encouraging. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Especially, uh, you know, in this modern NBA, how, how you need your point guards to really be able to pull up and shoot, shoot from distance. Uh, it's really, really tough. But, no, I'm, this isn't like a DeJounte Murray, like, hate sesh for me or anything like that. Uh, I just think Derek's the better player. Okay, well, you know what, yeah. Chris, you, you, you might eventually convince me to, to switch <laughs> well, gears, but – you know, switch sides on that, but um, yeah, really. um, yeah. <laughs> no, um, yeah, like I, I think like Derek Keldon <laughs> and picks is a pretty, it's probably a much better starting point than most Sixer fans would acknowledge. Um, you know, there are flashier names out there. You know, CJ is McCollum is a big, the, 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 that, that would be right my, my preference to be honest. Yeah. I, I, but like Derek white and Keldon Johnson, it, it, you're getting closer to that than I think people give, maybe give white credit for and um you know if cleveland if the package is built around colin sexton i I take Derek white over colin sexton every day of the week yeah but yeah so i I think the spurs have a better package than people realize i think if you're trading away ben you probably want to get another really good on-ball defender back obviously both white and murray would check that box so I, I think the Spurs make a lot more sense, uh, at least for Philly's perspective, than than people may recognize. But let, let's talk a little bit about Greg Popovich, and we can talk about Chip too. Um, yeah. Do you think San Antonio's coaching staff, broadly speaking, um, is maybe the staff that can unlock Ben as a shooter and a player? From the from the big picture of things, yes, I think Chip England and Coach Pop can definitely you know make Ben Simmons work in San Antonio. There's only one small thing I worry about with Pop is that sometimes he can play his players to their strengths, sometimes to a fault. 
meaning like DeMar DeRozan completely abandoned his three-point shot that he had back in his last year with Toronto. Uh, I know he wasn't this high-volume shooter, but at least he was attempting threes. I believe he attempted, what, three a, a game in Toronto's last yeah. year? Yeah. Yeah, in San Antonio, right. in San Antonio, I attempted more threes in the gym than he did in actual NBA games. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's you know, it is what it is. Um, and sometimes it's to a fault he can do those things. But I think with a, with a guy like Ben Simmons, I think Pop would actually kind of push the issue a little bit and kind of help him and and make him develop, give him no chance or no choice but to develop. Uh, you know that that offensive game that he needs to do. Uh, Chip England would be a huge factor in that, though. I mean. Uh, confidence comes from preparation in my opinion and Chip England is one of the best at kind of getting these guys to find their jumper whether it's Kawhi Leonard DeJounte Murray who yes he struggles from deep but he's actually a really good pull-up mid-range shooter um, you know stuff like that so yes I believe you know Chip England Greg Popovich could be those coaches to unlock Ben Simmons uh, but also it, it comes down to Ben as well Ben has to be willing to make a change like we were talking off the air he might need to make that move you know to the four he might need to uh, if he's not going to really develop this offensive game in the half court and be more of a threat, that might be the best spot. He might need to kind of learn how to dominate from the dunker spot and be a, be a, an impact player there. But in the big, like I said, in the big picture of things, yes, I think they can. But ultimately, it'll come down to whether Ben's willing to do so or not. Yeah, you bring up some good points there. Um, and let me just start with ben, um, the Ben perspective here. Is Coach Popovich? Do you think you know? Let's be real, coaches probably closer to retirement than not yes it possibly could happen next season who knows but do you think he's the type of guy that can actually hold ben accountable because we saw brett brown who came from popovich's coaching tree tried to hold ben accountable and was unable unsuccessful doing so doc rivers catered to him that that blew well, up in everybody's I will face say, like the reputation of Popovich and Brett Brown as, as people is pretty different. Like obviously they're yeah. both great humans, but yeah, I, I think their coaching styles a, a bit different. Fair, fair enough, but my question still stands: Do you think Pop can, and what do you think he would do? Do you think he'd be willing to bench Ben if he's, you know, not trying to shoot, or what? What, what do you think would be the repercussions of Ben not, you know, trying to trying to shoot? So or other otherwise. So yeah, yeah. So for me, this is interesting because I just mentioned how Pop can sometimes play his players to a, to a fall, right? But mm-hmm. I have seen moments like I believe it was the Rockets game back in the the 2020 season, the the COVID year, uh, where Demar Derozan was actually benched late game. There was a meme that Spurs fans made where where someone one someone on the Spurs it's late in the game, late in the ball game, they ended up blowing like I think a 20 point lead to the Rockets, and Demar's on the bench. And uh, the Spurs shoot a three from, I believe it was like the, the left wing or, or something like that. It was a three, and it was like three quarters of the way down and came out. And DeMar's just staring at the rim, like full eyes locked on, upset, angry. So, I mean, I've seen, I saw Pop do it once to DeMar and bench him late game. I saw that because they needed a three, and he was very mad. <laughs> he was very upset that they did that. Uh, so maybe, you know, it, it all depends on context. Like, yeah, if it came to it, I think he would. Came down to it, he would. Uh, but yeah, I like like I like your man mentioned, kind of that reputation with Pop. I think from you know in my in my eyes, if someone that respected who you know has a championship pedigree, who's won in this league, I think it would be different if he's telling you, hey, I think you need to do this. I think you would actually look at it a little bit different than a than a Brett Brown or even a Doc Rivers. Who, man, I have a lot of thoughts about Doc. So, <laughs> leave Me those too. there. 
Well, we can definitely, if we have time at the end, we can definitely talk about yeah. your thoughts on Doc. We yeah. would love to hear them. But um, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, no, I don't have much more to add to that. Um, mm-hmm. As Damien said, the big question is whether Ben wants to do it. Um, yeah. You know, it's all, it's really all up to Ben at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not it doesn't matter who coach. the coach is. Yeah, you're not going to find a coach with more cachet and more league-wide respect than Pop. But if Ben doesn't commit to to getting better, he's not going to get better. Not, mm-hmm. But as Pop is in the past, he's already really freaking good. Like, to Ben's credit, he's one of the 30, mm-hmm. 40 best players in the league as is. But oh, he, Pop would love Ben just for his defense. Yeah. yeah. Pop, Pop loves defensive aces, so yeah. And passing. <laughs> and that's passing, true. that's true. And now passing. that you mention it, I do remember there were times that he pen- benched Tony Parker in favor of young George Hill back in the 2010s. I don't know if you're right. You're, you're, you remember that, don't you? Uh, in the 2010s, like I say, if it was a 2010, I was like 11 years old. So I don't remember yeah. too much of it. But, but uh, yeah, I maybe you're right. You're right. You re- do you remember the, those times when <laughs> Pop would uh, bench Tony Parker in favor of George Hill? No, because I hated Tony Parker. <laughs> I, I don't understand. To this day, I don't like his game, his stupid teardrop, and just, I don't know. I wasn't hey, man. Hey, man, John Morant has the Tony Parker layup package, man. You can't hate on that, hey, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I just don't know You've watched a season full of Tyrese Maxi teardrops. In your- yeah, I was about to say, Maxi has nothing but teardrops. He's so much more fun to watch than Tony Parker. But I can't anyway. wait to talk about him. I can't wait. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, well the good news is you don't <laughs> have to wait because we're going to switch gears now. Okay, okay, okay. And we're going to talk about the young cores of both respective teams. Now, this core is going to include players four years or less experience in the NBA. So between the two teams, who has the brighter future? The Spurs have DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Keldon Johnson, Lonnie Walker, and Josh Primo. The Sixers have Matisse Thibel, Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, Paul Reed, and Forkong Korkmaz. Though I think I would say... Um, Korkmaz is entering, I think, his fifth season, so he's, like, right on the borderline there. But, yeah, we'll include Korkmaz. I th- I think – and this isn't, like – I mean, I, I, I'll i preface this with, like, y'all may think I'm a homer. Not y'all, but, like, the listeners may think, oh, I just love the Spurs, blah, blah, blah. Like, no, I've done my fair share of, of speaking my mind. Uh, Shout-out to my guy, Noah McGraw. George, you can listen to his shows. When we just – you know, we kind of call it how we see it, and a lot of people don't like it, so – uh, with that being said, I think San Antonio has the better, you know, young players uh, of the group, but I think Tyrese Maxey has the potential to be the best player out of everyone that we just mentioned um, in terms of like upside and, and, you know, brighter futures. I think it would go something like Maxey and, and Primo one, two. Uh, then you have guys like Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray, uh, Derek White. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I think Matisse Thibel, I don't know how much better he can get. Uh, because I don't know if he'll ever be able to really put the ball on the floor and, you know, <laughs> score a bucket. You know what I mean? So that's kind of that's kind of where I limit him because I think he's just going to be in this role for his career. Not saying he's a bad player or it doesn't fit him, but this is kind of where he's at. So, I mean, for me, that's kind of where I land on on this, you know, this discussion is I think Maxi has a potential to be the best player out of everyone we just, we just named or we're looking at here. Uh, but I think Josh Primo is right behind him as well. Yeah, yeah. For sh- uh, so- sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, I mean, I I pretty much agree with every word you just said. Like the Spurs, as of right now, have the three 
of all the names he listed, the three best players are all Spurs. Um, like, it would go White, Murray, Keldon, probably, if we were ranking mm-hmm. them before we get to either Thibel or Maxi. Um, that said, I do agree. I think Maxi has the higher ceiling. I think Maxi's pretty special. I think he has the goods. Um, oh, yeah, I, I agree. I also agree on Matisse. I've been pretty vocal about my worries offensively with him in the past, uh, much to Uriah and Lucas's chagrin. But, <laughs> I mean, to his credit, again, he made all defense playing 20 minutes a night. He led the team in blocks and steals off the bench. Like he, He's a pretty insane defender. Uh, but the offense is, is definitely a concern. I, I will go to bat for Josh Primo. He A lot of people on draft night were given the Spurs flack for that. I, I Maybe it was a little bit of a reach at 12, but we have seen a way bigger reaches in the past. Cam Johnson to Phoenix, that was a huge reach. And that turned Anthony, out to be well. uh, Anthony Bennett. Yeah, look. Yeah. Yeah. Primo's the youngest guy on the board. He's 18. I had him ahead of Duarte who went a pick later to Indiana. Like, I, I think Primo's legit. It'll take time, but we all think the Spurs, unless they trade for Ben, they're heading in the direction of a rebuild. You want to take the highest ceiling guy available. Exactly. You want to swing for the fences. I think Primo's exactly. that. Exactly. Short, That's... short story short, I'm a big Primo guy. I think that was a pretty decent pick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Paul Reed is great. Isaiah Joe's great. <laughs> but I, I think the Spurs win this battle right now. In terms of current talent, yeah, you guys are right on the head. I would put Keldon Johnson one, White two, Murray three. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa! Like, like in terms of current ability, Keldon Johnson just won a gold medal, and he showed off in the Olympics. Okay. He had a he played out of position at the power forward spot and still was averaging what was he averaging? That's not out of like position. Yes, he's six foot five. He's six foot five. Yes, it is. Damien, is that out of position? Nah, he played the four all year. He did play the four all year. But, but I will say this to his, to you know, just call it call spade a spade. There's a lot of people who think he should move to the three. Uh, for some reason, Basketball Reference has him listed at the three that he played it all year when he didn't. I don't. know. That's kind of weird. But uh, yeah, no, he he is a four. That's what he's playing in the NBA. But yeah, I mean, I agree. He may be a little bit undersized for it, but you can't tell by the way he plays. I, I think he can be a three. I, I think he, he has be. the hand. I, I think he has the handles. I think he has the foot speed for it. The only reason why he played the four is so that they could space the floor around uh, DeMar DeRozan. Am I, am I wrong there? Am no, I, no, am no, I wrong? No, but Lucas, yeah, it's, no, it's 2021. Everyone's playing a stretch four. Like, yeah, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but they, they signed Doug McDermott for a reason, dude. They signed Doug McDermott. He's probably going to start. Tell me if I'm wrong, though, Damien. I mean, no, I don't, I don't think he will. I, don't, I, 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 honestly, my personal wish is they run Dejounte, Derek, Devin, Keldon, Jakob. That's what I want to see. I want to see year two Devin Vassell in that Michael Bridges role. That's what I want to see. Uh, they could run Doug out there, which wouldn't be bad, but uh, I would much rather keep him off the bench. Kind of let him run with Lonnie. Uh, off the bench, I think that'd probably be the best case scenario for them. But I could be wrong. I mean, you may be onto something there with starting Doug, and you know they have. I mean, he'd by far be the best you know shooter off ball threat on the team in the starting lineup. So I mean, either way, either one works for me. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, and for me personally, I just I don't know. Keldon six five. I like him as a three. Um, 
I mean, who knows? I mean, he's strong enough to play the four. I'm not saying that he isn't, but there are going to be certain matchups where he doesn't look good versus at three, <laughs> he would pretty much hold his own against any, you know, any non superstar. So, I mean, that being said, I, you know, and then I would put Tyrese Thibault and then you can argue, you know, Beatball Paul or Lonnie Walker, um, Josh Primo, Corkmont. It doesn't <laughs> oh. matter at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But um, at, at the end of the day, um, Tyrese Maxey does have the biggest upside. I, I can't say that about Primo because I haven't seen any film of him yet. And honestly, I don't really expect him to play that much this year for the Spurs, uh, maybe for the G League team, but not for the NBA team. Like, I don't, yeah, like, I don't, he's very young, very raw, very not, doesn't have a super strong frame. So I can't really say anything about Primo. But in terms of, you know what? Playable just, core. Yes, the sorry. Spurs have sorry a better playable core. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted. But uh, Uriah, you left Jaden Springer off the list, man. I I think we deserve some he deserves some love here. I, I was just trying to keep it just five and five. I mean Springer so. is, is gonna be better than Furcon in a year or two. Possibly. But, Possibly. Yeah. He's gonna be better than Joe and Paul too. He, he kind of reminds me of uh the kid that had the peanut allergy. I can't remember his name. Um, oh, Zaire Smith? Yeah, he kinda reminds me of Zaire a little bit. Let's not bring up that non NBA hey, player. Zaire right Zaire was a great prospect. <laughs> Him almost dying is not his fault. It it happens. I mean, not 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 it usually. In Philly. in Philly, it happens. Okay, so, fair. Things happen to prospects in Philly. That's not Xavier's fault. Let, let, we, yeah, let's go have... through the list here. We had two big men miss at least one year because of ankle. I mean, we <laughs> might feet, we we might as backs. well. It's it's broken. We messed up knees, of... broken backs, Antonio uh, forgetting to how to shoot, it. broken foots, peanut allergies. Yips. We get, yips. We got yips. It all. Oh, you name it, we got it in Philly. <laughs> all all the Spurs guys seem to be working out pretty well. It, it's not fair. But... I, I do want to touch tell, on... tell me, though, tell me, what is what is the deal with not drafting a, a, a legit four or five? You guys haven't gone big men in a long time in the draft. Like, I get guys, you want to... Lucas, position labels like don't matter at all anymore. I mean, they, like, they so to a to to a limit they do, especially Young, guys like Doug McDermott, Keldon. All those guys can play the four if you need them to. They'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. I agree. I agree with that line of thing. Primo, real quick though, the reason why I say that I think he has the highest ceiling is for a couple of reasons. Number one, his game translates really well to the NBA. What he does right now works in the NBA right now. Like, as an off-ball shooter, he has a very high – as an off-ball threat in general, as an off-ball player, he has a very high IQ. He knows what he's doing out there. And the shooting ability is going to translate, I feel. I feel I, I believe he shot 44.6% on catch-and-shoot attempts uh, last year. Like your man mentioned, he's extremely young. Like, he, he literally turns 19 years old, I believe, the day before Christmas. Like, he mm. it is unreal how young this kid is and when you see his little draft video literally looks like like he'd be like my little brother or something like that like he just looks like a little kid like i can't i can't mm. emphasize how young this dude is but how kind how he understands the game already at this age is what's impressive and even like stuff with how comfortable he is with the ball in his hands he doesn't have the quickest first step but like i was talking with my homeboy noah uh, on his show i was saying i don't really care if he if he does or does not have that quick first step as long as he can master playing with pace, like a guy that he says he watches a lot, uh, SGA does, 
or whether it's, you know, D'Angelo Russell, if you can master playing with pace, I could care less how fast you are off the bounce. And I feel like Josh Primo can do that. I mean, we saw some stuff. I know it's summer league, but we saw a, a really high level of comfort there with the ball in his hands. And that's kind of all you can look for when you're, you know, watching these very young players uh, who need, you know, a ton of development. So I'm really high on him personally. I could be wrong in a couple of years and, you know, just completely mess this up. But that's, I really like Josh Primo, man. That's why I, we're going to really trade. Do. That's why we're going to trade Ben Simmons for him. For Josh Primo? <laughs> yeah. Man. Hey, hey, if y'all want Josh Primo, man, look, look, look. <laughs> how about this? I'll give you DeJounte Murray. I'll give you Derek White. I'll give you Josh Primo. You give me Ben and Maxi, and we'll call it a day. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I'm um, just trolling. By the way, I, I remember I did. Uh, <laughs> eh, no, you're good. Um, I actually remembered uh, when I did my rankings starting power forwards article. Uh, check it out, listeners. Um, I think I had Thad Young as your starter, which I think would be wouldn't be a bad thing either. I mean, Look, you can Thad might be their best player next year. Thad's really good. I don't I yeah. don't want to overhype him, but Thad is really good. He he, he probably doesn't belong there if they're going to start rebuilding soon. But Thad Thad's really good. He's going that, that's why I had him as their year. starter. Yeah, he's going I think into his fourteenth year. Yeah, I he's think he'll not, be. And he's I think he'll really be like good. the fifth or sixth best player, man. <laughs> He's just a solid back. role player for his whole yeah. entire career, and he, that's going to help him have a very long career. Yeah, I agree. So Chris, you're on yeah. a roll, man. Why don't, let's switch gears and Hold keep up. it going. One more thing. Just the per 36 numbers for Thad last year. Oh, oh goodness. 18 <laughs> points. 18 points. Wow. Nine rebounds, six assists, 1.6 steals in a blocked game. Shot 56 from the field. The dude's a good player. A whole 18 points? Wow. 36? That's not too bad Plus for nine a 37-year-old, 14-year veteran. <laughs> and he's one of the best bench defenders on the planet. I mean, Look, look man. Look. Paul what? Reed right here per 36. Let's talk about it. 18 points, yeah, let's do. 12 Please. rebounds. Oh, gosh. You shouldn't have done it. Let's Three blocks. Does he know about Chris's infatuation with him? <laughs> yeah, we should have warned you before the podcast. Chris has an infatuation with Beatball Paul. But go ahead. You've already opened Pandora's box. Go ahead. Oh, man. Hey, Keldon, Keldon Josh for 36, man. Man, he might be a, a perennial all star, man. <laughs> All right. All right, Chris. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, let's let's take a stroll down memory lane here and talk about some recent Sixers Spurs matchups. Uh, let's go back to the bubble first, because Uriah hates me. Um, <laughs> I've been bad mouthing Shake too much on the pod lately, so he had to go back and find that that one of those two or three good Shake games. Um, we're going to talk about the Sixers Spurs bubble game. One thirty two, one thirty was the final score. Uh, a lot of people probably remember it because Shake hit the go-ahead three uh, to win that game. Had 16 points for the night overall. Uh, Damien, do you recall that game? Any memories at all? Um, what just feelings back in the bubble? Uh, yeah, what, what are your there? I remember. I believe that's the game where Dejounte Murray overhelped uh, off the inbound and left Shake wide open. I believe. I believe that's what happened. I know Dejounte had a defensive mistake, a, a defensive mishap. And that's what led to the wide open three. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I know it's been a minute, but I think that's how it went down. Yeah. And now they're going to be teammates. 
Hey, what's interesting is every time I, I see like a Spurs trade, like for, with Philly, Shake Milton's always going to San Antonio. Like, what's so bad about Shake Milton? Why are y'all so done? No, with Shake it's Milton? just, it's, it's just, it, okay. People like Chris want to give Shake a bad because he had one year where he looked mortal from in terms of shooting percentages. One year, it was and, half his career, Lucas. It's no, he, he, no, 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 because <laughs> we can't count the rookie year because he barely played. Yes, so the last two years, one of them was extremely bad. And the other one was extremely good. We're going to find a good medium, Chris. And even in the extremely <laughs> bad year, Chris, he averaged 13 I points know. on 45% shooting from I the know. field. And 34, thir- no, 45% from the field and 35 from three-point range. Cut the kid some slack. He's only 24 you know, but I mean, at the same time, he would be for some teams. He could be like a value booster for Ben. Yeah, which the no. Sixers don't have to give up much because they have Maxi. So you know, look, I'm too hard on Shake. Um, I I did some thinking about this today, actually. I I mean, if he can just, he has the size to guard wings. Like if he just played more like a wing instead of trying to be a point guard, he, I think he'd look a lot better if he can just hit. 38% of his threes at a pretty high volume and defend some threes and not look like total like a you know dumpster fire on that side of the ball he'll be a good player for a while off the bench somewhere I'm, I'm sure that's very possible for him um, but yeah I don't know I, I don't think Shake should really be getting minutes next season but that's just me I mean I think he'll game. be the 11th man to start off with unless yeah. you know well I mean you know, Hopefully. if Ben's not playing, then you know uh, he's going to have to be the backup point guard. Unless you want to give that to Jaden Springer. Unless Doc starts him. <laughs> Gosh, Chris, you should just write something about that just to to like make our fans cringe. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we laugh now. We laugh now, but it, it, it's not completely out of the question. And to be fair, Brett Brown started shake too, so. Mm-hmm. But well, that was more out of necessity. Anyway, anything, anything next to Al Horford looks looks pretty good. That's <laughs> fair. Um, but let me. I'm trying to remember that game. Wasn't didn't Shake and Joel get into it that game, or was it a different game? Yeah, that's that's game the reason before. why Lucas I put that in there. It's not what Chris thinks. It's like, oh, it's about Shake hitting a game winner. No, that was the. Uh, I don't know if Damian knows this, but. Uh, Shake Milton and Joel and B got into a really heated argument on the sidelines in the bubble, and it was against the Pacers. It was the first game in the bubble. You know, going into the San Antonio game, people were wondering, oh, how's, how are they going to work out? Did they bury the hatchet? And it just so happened that he hit a game with them. Look at that. Look mm-hmm. at that. <laughs> Look See, at he that. can bounce back, hey. Chris. Give maybe, him a chance maybe, to bounce back this year. Maybe Joel knew what was up before any of us. Um <laughs> Or maybe he has the ability <laughs> to bounce back, Chris. Give him a chance. Maybe. I'll give him a chance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I had something that I was going to say, but I've forgotten it. Um, so we can move on. Uh, let's talk about last season. Obviously, uh, you know, East and West teams don't meet as frequently as interconference teams. But do we have any memories from last season between these two teams, Damian? Any thoughts that might relate to our current potential trade situation uh, any, anything there <laughs> that, that uh, the only thing i remember for them from that game last year is i believe that's that was when the the demarless spurs almost almost beat y'all if i remember correctly <laughs> that's about right yeah. that that's no, that, that, that seems like something that would happen to us yeah. yeah uh 
but I mean, <laughs> in, in the big picture, like, no, there's nothing that really like stood out to me that I can remember right now. Um, there's kind of like, that's kind of the big deal is because DeMar didn't miss very many games in San Antonio and kind of surprisingly, the Spurs did play somewhat well without him. So that's what I do remember is just kind of how well they played. But um, yeah, there's Ben Simmons did. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to look up his line real quick. It actually says that he was, he was two of six. So thank the Lord. I didn't remember anything from that game because I wouldn't have helped our trade, our trade discussions. <laughs> but he hit the game winning shot. It was a tip in. He had a, he only went it was no, it? It, was a, it was a second made basket. My fault. I'm tripping. That's Wait, right. Yeah. I do remember that game. I remember watching that game. Yeah, that was a yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's right. Because we came on the podcast directly afterwards, and I was like, "This is the Ben Simmons game winner podcast." Yeah, because uh, that was Ben Simmons' yeah. only game winning shot in his career. Yeah, <laughs> up to this point, probably will be the only one for yeah. his career too. Yeah. Exactly. And against his future team, I mean, <laughs> what are the odds? Um, hey, if, if it's against future team, then it definitely won't be his last game winner. Chip, Chip England and Coach Pop yeah. will be making him shoot mid range jump shots in no time. <laughs> See, okay, let's let's talk about this for a second. They shouldn't even be worried about the mid range. You know what they should be worried about? The free the throws. free throw line. Yeah, the free throws, exactly. Uh, that, yeah, because yeah, if you can hit free throws, that's going to translate to the mid range. Yeah, and no, you might not take side ones, but you'll take ones uh, inside the key. Or at the key, you know, you know, at the foul yeah. line, you know, around that spot, and then the foul. If he hits foul shots, and I, I forgot who said it on TV, but somebody said that he could easily average twenty to twenty three points per game. I think it was Stephen A. Smith. Oh yeah, but he could easily get to the foul line, probably almost as much as Joel can. Be honest, the way that he plays, if he yep. hits at least like, let's say In he hits 70s. about Le- LeBron, yeah, like LeBron James level seventy around seventy percent, yeah going to yeah. be near impossible to guard. Yeah, the free throw stuff. And that's – yeah, I agree because me me and a couple of my friends are talking about it too. It's like, yeah, the fact that he can't – or that he does not, you know, really show a game outside of, you know, eight feet, you know, that's that's pretty alarming. But it's the free throws that really throws you off. Like, you're shooting, you know, 50% from the line. Like, that just can't get it done. And a lot of that too, a lot of that stuff correlates, man. If you're a solid free throw shooter or even a good free throw shooter, most of the time you're probably a good shooter along the perimeter. You have some semblance of a game – you know, outside of the paint, in my opinion. So that's why, yeah, I agree 100%, man. If he can get those free throws down, it can unlock a lot of stuff for him. I just cannot wait to never have to talk about Ben's free throws again. Um, like, a trade could just screw the Sixers over for the next five years, but at least we don't have to talk about Ben's <laughs> favorite. You know, instead of talking about his free throws, we can talk about how Ben Simmons, oh, finally decided that he wants to start shooting elsewhere. Yeah, that's watch. What, sounds about yeah. like what'll happen. Sounds, yeah, Sixers enough. It's, it does sound Sixers enough. But let's go ahead and switch gears now. We're going to talk about a few recent uh, Spurs and Sixers connections. So, Damien, let me ask you this: If Brett Brown had so much success with San Antonio and their player development, why do you think it didn't necessarily carry over as consistently with the Sixers and his overall success with the Sixers? Well, the short answer, I think, is because he didn't have the, the main guy with him. Uh, that's for one. I don't think just because someone comes from the pop – I'm not saying you're saying this, but just because someone comes from the Spurs organization doesn't always correlate to, you know, all the success in the league. I mean, for the love of God, we just saw all season long national media members say Coach Bud needs to be fired after the season. We, we heard, you know, his job being called for all year long, and now they won the title. So 
I don't think just because, you know, someone comes from that line, you can automatically expect success. Uh, but also the entire Ben Simmons and B thing. I mean, it's really tough to expect this, those two together to really win. I mean, on paper, you're like, wow, two perennial all-stars, two superstars. Well, you know, who, who knew this would be so difficult. Right. But a lot of it comes down to, you know, just scheme and fit and who you're playing around with and who you're kind of throwing together. And when it comes to lineups and, it just didn't work out. And, and I mean, I don't really think it's more, like majorly a Brett Brown issue because even Doc couldn't figure this out. And Doc is, is, is a highly regarded coach that, you know, everyone in NBA media land loves, you know what I mean? So uh, everybody except me. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, but it's, t- but you, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, no, it's yeah, just yeah. so different. Like it, it means so much that I'm, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I'm a coach pop guy. I don't even know if coach pop could figure this out. You know what I mean? Like it's just so difficult, but yeah, I, I, it's just I, – I don't think Brett had success for a plethora of reasons. Some of it's probably because he didn't have Coach Pop. Some of it's also personnel issues. Uh, it just didn't work. Yeah. Like, Brett Brown had a championship caliber roster one time in his career, and they were within a bounce of maybe winning it all. Uh, yeah, four four bounces. But, yeah, yeah, agreed. Four bounces. Yeah, God. Um, but, yeah, look, Brett, personnel issues is a big part of it. Player development – I mean, Brett's track record is pretty strong there. Um, you know, we can talk about Okafor. But all the second-round guys, the undrafted guys, a lot of those, like Robert Covington, TJ McConnell, Jeremy Grant, Chris, like all those guys came through Philly first. Uh, <laughs> but look, Brett Brown is an A-plus human. I think he's a pretty good coach. Um, maybe a better coach than the guy that replaced him. Uh, ooh, ooh, hot take there. <laughs> not really. Uh, <laughs> not for you, not for me. Um, yeah, look, Brett, Brett kind of got dealt some crappy hands there at the end. Like, he always had a crappy do? hand. Al what are we Horford, talking about? Al Horford and Josh Richardson, what are you supposed to do with that next to no, like, no, 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 uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, he did he did Jimmy Butler like him? No, like maybe that's like the biggest issue that Brett had was that he couldn't level with Jimmy Butler. It's probably the one thing that, like, probably the biggest downside of his tenure was that he couldn't become friends with Jimmy. Because uh, yeah, if that relationship goes differently, we have Jimmy still, and we're in a good spot. Um, yep. Well, I don't think it was – I think what Jimmy said in his interview with JJ was that it was ownership asking Brown if he could handle him. It yeah. wasn't Brown. He, I don't know. It seemed pretty clear that him and Brett weren't always on the same same page. It all started when Brett called him James. That, that oh gosh, <laughs> that was James Butler. It, God, that was that, you almost had the accent there too. Good that job on that. So awkward. I, I was like, wow, that's. I mean, he really threw his coach <laughs> under the bus with that. I was like, at least you fake it in front of the media, but it was like, don't call him yeah. names. <laughs> yeah, the Jimmy like, Butler for- thing was wild, man. That that. I thought if Philly kept, I thought if y'all kept JB Butler, man, we'd be talking about an entirely different scenario here. But even then, oh, like, they kept Jimmy Butler. Ben would have asked out a lot sooner. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I'm thinking. Is well, man, I don't think it, I think it, it wouldn't have worked. You know, I mean, Jimmy's a great player, and I'm not saying y'all wouldn't have, you know, been to the conference finals or heck, even the finals. But I think that fit just it wouldn't work. And and in that interview with JJ, I believe Jimmy did say that Ben was upset when when Brett when uh when Brett Brown took the ball out of his hands. If I'm correct that that was kind of like a big deal. And Ben was really upset with that. But I mean, at the same time, like, man, can I knock Brett Brown for doing that? Like, I mean, look at Jimmy Butler. Like, (laughs) yeah, can I I knock him? 
I, I think the thing there is, even if it was Jimmy versus Ben and you had to make a choice, it's pretty clear they made the wrong choice. Um, yeah. Jimmy's the guy there. Uh, I get at the time, you know, Ben's young, Ben's an all-star. You I, expect I him to get better. Ben, but in hindsight, uh, Jimmy was that guy, uh, and they probably made the wrong choice if it was that. I don't think it was that simple. I think Brett was an issue. I think ownership and the front office were an issue. Uh, you know, the front office especially it was an issue. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think Jimmy's pretty clearly the guy you want over Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah. But let's go ahead and go switch to Uriah now. He's going to do our social media question of the week. All right, our social media question of the week. We had 417 votes on Twitter. 62% of the people who voted – well, let me start with the question. My bad. So the question was, if the Sixers can't get Damian Lillard, and it's looking like he's not coming to Philly, at least not anytime soon after that Instagram post today, would you be okay trading Ben Simmons for DeJounte Murray and Derek White from the Spurs? 62% of the people said no. 38% said yes. So, uh, Damian, what do you think about the poll and the numbers? Well, as far as they're not going to love that because you're not getting an all-star in return. I mean, that's just it. You know, call it how you see it. You know, you're not getting that perennial all-star back for your young perennial all-star that you're giving up. Uh, but in my opinion, getting guys like getting you know two players like Dejounte and Derek, they're two guys who can play immediately, and they make you an even better defensive team. Not only that, you have a guy with like Derek White who can play really well in the pick and roll with someone like Joel Embiid. Uh, Dejounte Murray, while he does have his shooting limitations, I can't you know you know I can't emphasize this enough. He's an exceptional pull-up mid-range shooter. Uh, he's worked on his finishing around the rim as well, and he seemed to have improved every single season. So while I agree with some Sixers fans that are like, oh, man, you know, I want this, you know, I want this guy. You know, if we're giving up our all-star, our young piece, we need to get this kind of caliber of player. But like I mentioned to y'all when I dropped my trade and the mentions, I was like, hey, I don't think y'all are going to get that unless you give up X, Y, and Z. I think that's kind of – this package is a little bit more realistic um, just because – you're getting two guys who can contribute now. Philly wants to win now. Uh, you know, you're adding two guys who I've, I'm personally very high on and think they can contribute at a high level, uh, and they complement, you know, guys like Tobias and Joel Embiid very well. So, for me, I think it's a fine package. Obviously, you need to get the picks worked out, and they probably throw in another piece. Uh, but, you know, from if they're, the you know, the two headliners of this deal, in addition to some picks, I mean, I wouldn't be upset at it if I'm a 76ers fan. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm. I already told you, you have to include Keldon Johnson in there for me. He, he's a must. If you don't have that, then the deal doesn't even make sense to me. But, um, you know, both White yeah. and Murray are good players. I just, I think you need to have a wing, a good wing that can create his own offense. You know, and I think Kendall, uh, Keldon, sorry, not Kendall, <laughs> Keldon. Oh, um, they have. Let's not get into a Jenner right now. Um, <laughs> let's just stay on a Keldon. Keldon Johnson, I think, is that guy. So that 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 would be my preference. For me, the reason why I'm hesitant to give up, like Keldon Johnson primarily, right? That's the big one, him or like Josh Primo, is this may sound wild and disrespectful, but considering who you're, you know, who you're getting back in return, which I know, you know, perennial All Star. I've said it a million times. You know, good passer, good defender. Giving up your best young player for a guy who is extremely limited in the half court, I don't feel this is the smartest thing for the Spurs. Now, for Philly, 
yes, you need to get a Keldon Johnson 100%. But for the Spurs, I don't know how much sense that makes for them. Uh, because you, while you are getting a Ben Simmons, uh, you're giving up your, you know, your best young piece. You know what I mean? So I, I, I don't know if Ben Simmons was was a little bit more polished in the half court manner or active in the dunker spot, or he could do something, you know, something more. Uh, then I would be, you know, I'd be fine with it. But man, with that, with such a big hole in your game, it's just really hard to, you know, give that up. In addition to you're paying him a max contract as well, so that's not, you know, talked about enough either. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. I mean, if Philly can get all three of those guys, that's getting to the point where it's pretty hard to imagine a lot of other teams topping that, like Cleveland. I mean, if it's Garland and Okoro, you know, that's cool. But you're not getting Mobley. You're not – Sexton's going to make way too much money in a year. It, it, it's pretty hard to beat – that trio, you know, White, Murray, and, and Johnson, if that's attainable. I don't think it is. I don't I agree with you, Damien. I don't think the Spurs should really be wanting to give up all three of those guys for Ben. I, I, I just don't really know how much sense Ben makes at this point in their uh, team building process. Again, the flip side obviously is that you the Spurs aren't gonna get too many all stars unless they get him through the draft. So that that's obviously yeah. the counter argument. And he's locked up again for four years. His contract ends when he's 28. He's entering his prime. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. One of the best facilitators. Like, Ben is really good. And every team has a good enough reason to trade for him if the price is right. I'm not I'm not saying Ben would be a bad move for San Antonio. Uh, but that is a lot to give up if you're yeah. not sure what else you're going to put around Ben Simmons. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with your take there. But if you're... As far as the fans on Twitter go, I, I if it's like Dejounte, Derek, and Keldon, or if it's Primo and picks stuff like that, that's getting to the point where it's a it's a pretty enticing package. It's not ideal, but no, you're not going to get an ideal return for Ben at this point. <laughs> well, I'll, and I'll say this: I didn't mean all three. I just meant Keldon plus yeah. one of them. Yeah. And and I would say I would still prefer C.J. McCollum over mm-hmm. anything else at this point. Oh no! If I'm that's Philly, me. I would too. Oh, and that, CJ McCollum—that—that's like—that's one of the best case scenarios. That's I feel is realistic. I—I I, I would be all over that package. Yeah, hundred percent. Just give me CJ. You know, salary like because I—I when we talked about this with Stevie Cousins, the site expert of Rip City Project, the last podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I think CJ is an all star in the East, easily. So he just he I I I think he can be a clear number two next to Joel Tobias can be the number three. So that's just me personally, but I think Chris, it's time for uh, I think it's time for you to play us out, man. Oh, well, actually before you do, there is something that I want to address um, today. My, uh, my aunt uh, passed away and I just, I did this podcast in honor of her and uh, you know, she's, she's in a better place now, but um, just want to, you know, give my condolences to my cousins and, my uncle and you know just you know think of my family um well you guys because we've dealt with a lot of loss recently so just i did this podcast in memory of her and uh you can go ahead take away now chris no well well i'm sorry lucas and i'll definitely keep you and your family in our thoughts um, in my thoughts appreciate it yeah i'll be praying for y'all brother for sure appreciate it thank you so, Chris, go ahead and take us away, man. All right. Um, 
yeah, if you want to let our followers know where they can follow you on Twitter, read your work and stuff, uh, now's the time to do it. Let them know. Yeah, uh, you know, all my Philly fans I know, or all the Philly fans, not mine, because I don't have no Philly fans. Y'all hated me after that <laughs> trade, but <laughs> if y'all want to follow me on Twitter, uh, just follow me at D.A. Bartonic. That's at D-A-B-A-R-T-O-N-E-K. Uh, in addition to covering the Spurs, I cover the Washington football team. Uh, I know a lot of hey, people, there you go. they like the Eagles. Uh, I'll definitely I'm been, I'll be writing weekly previews to every game. Um, so if you want to learn a little bit about football, a little bit about, you know, coverages and stuff like that, that's kind of what I talk about a little bit there. Um, and then Texas State Sports as well. I have a, my own podcast too. So uh, just check me out. Uh, just, you know, like I said, go to my Twitter. All my links are there and uh, just chop it up with me. I appreciate you guys for having me on. I, I really, really do. It's an honor and a, and, a, and a blessing to be on here with you all. So I appreciate it 100%, guys. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on, Damien. And everyone can also go, of course, read his work and everyone else's work at Air Alamo. They do a really great job there covering the Spurs which I, I think is a much more interesting team than people maybe think uh, going into next season, regardless of what happens with Ben Simmons. I think the Spurs are a team that are going to be, it's going to be worth watching. So I would recommend everyone go read their stuff over there and follow Damien. And to all our listeners, as always, if you can like follow, subscribe, let us know how we're doing. Give us a rating on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Google play, Audible, wherever you're listening, it would really help us out. You can also listen at thesixersense.com and read all our work there covering the Sixers. You can follow us on Twitter at Sixersense. Uh, so until next week, everyone, have a good one. And we will be back with some more exciting guests, some more trade breakdowns um, as this Ben Simmons saga unfolds. And we can't wait to uh, talk more Sixers with y'all. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.